Let's turn again this week to the book of Acts, chapter number 1, and we'll begin where we left off last week, talking about power, talking about power, I'm certainly preaching to myself, we certainly want to have power. And uh, while you're turning there, don't forget now those teens, uh, this youth rally Friday, they, we didn't usually always have them in February, I ran the thing for 28 years, and Pastor Mike Herzig's taken over, so that is this Friday. Praise the Lord. You want to go see the church in Kennedy, and when, when you get there, remember that God gave it to them for free. <laughs> that was a blessing. Man, they have done a good job with it, too. But it's a good hour from here, so uh, you want to leave by 6 or something. Talk to Brother uh, Sean O'Mara and, uh, about that. So, looking forward to Brother Styles tonight. He's got flyers. He writes these flyers up. He's on 30 different subjects. And they'll all be here tonight, all the flyers, and he gives them away. You can take, uh, he's got a new one on artificial intelligence and some other subjects that he stays pretty updated on this stuff. So, you want to be here this evening uh, at 6 o'clock for Brother Styles. Did you get that cake? Did you get it, get the words on it? Yeah, all right. Did, should I tell them the words or not? It says 76 on it, right, I think? And then it says, uh, you never go out of style. And so, uh, but he is a blessing, and uh, I hope you can be here. Now, last week we talked about um, uh, power, and uh, the message last Sunday was called Christ's Last Concern for His Church, Christ's last concern for his church, and that's in his last words here, recorded in Acts chapter number 1. Beginning at verse 6, just by way of review, and then we'll go on. It says, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? And so they were concerned about Israel, their nation. They loved their nation. They wanted their land back. Amen. And um, they were concerned about the signs and the times and prophecy. But the Lord's answer to them in verse 7, and the last thing he ever said before he ascended to heaven, was don't focus on prophecy uh, and trying to figure all those things out, but rather focus on power and having power to be witnesses uh, unto me. Verse 7, he said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his power. But ye shall receive power when? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and as a result you shall be witnesses. So the evidence of somebody having God's power is that they are witnesses. They are witnesses unto me of Jesus Christ. And so... Our focus should be on power, not on prophecy, although prophecy is part of the Bible, and I've explained that before, and it helps us uh, get with it uh, when you start seeing the signs and the times uh, that we are living in. But he wanted them to be witnesses unto Christ, unto me, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That would include, of course, Eden, New York, Hamburg, wherever you're from, Gowanda. He wants us to have power. Power, that is, was his last concern, that his church would never be powerless, would never be without spiritual power. And again, the, the, the evidence 
that you or I have his power on our life is that we are trying to be witnesses. When a person uh, has the Holy Ghost come upon them, the power of God comes over them. They want to be a witness. They want to talk to others about Christ. If that desire is missing uh, from your walk right now with the Lord, then you need to pursue power and start praying for power. We learn in the last days, last week, in 2 Timothy 3, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, and it explains that. And it says that men in the last days, in verse 5, would having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And so they, there would be a lot of religion, organized religion, a form of godliness. People would look godly, and churches would look godly and orderly, but denying the power thereof, and, and we finished the message last week in talking about that word denying, and that means where you disregard another person's interests. You disregard another person's interests. Christ's interest, his last words were, listen, don't get all focused on prophecy, but focus on having power to be witnesses to me all over the world. Focus on power. That's his interest. Denying means to disregard another person's interests. And so it says the church in the last days, or, or people in the last days, would have a form of godliness, but they would begin to disregard the interests of Christ to have power, denying the power thereof. And it says from such turn away. And so that's where we ended last week. And I want to talk to you today about sources of power. I want to begin with one day, and, and uh, I have about seven of them uh, that we find in the Bible that are sources of power. And the title of the message today is Sources of, of Power Available to, to You and Through You. Sources of Power Available to You and Through You. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, God wants to give you his power. His power is not just for evangelists or missionaries or pastors or people in full-time ministry. His power, spiritual power, is for everybody. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, And on my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, they shall witness, handmaidens, servants, and uh, they would be the ones, in verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, not just ministers, upon all flesh, and your sons, and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. That just about covers it all. The filling of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is something that is for everybody who is in Christ, no matter what their age, no matter male or female. It is for you. So I've asked you last week to be brutally honest with yourself, as I try to be brutally honest with myself. Do you have the power of God on your life? I'm not saying are you saved, you have Christ in you, 
But do you have the power? When you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. But Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That, that's a reference to being overwhelmed, overtaken. Uh, as I said last week, sometimes we, we think of somebody and, who does something kind of unnatural, and we say, what came over them? That they would behave that way. Well, that can be a good thing. What came over them? That they started talking to everybody about the Lord and, and witnessing, trying to win others, trying to share with others what they have learned about God through their faith in Jesus Christ and how they can be saved, saved from their sins, saved forever, and, and not letting the gospel stop with us. We should be a conduit. Uh, where the gospel gets to us, saves us, but then be a conduit where it goes from us and in us and then through us. And so I want to talk for a couple of weeks, if, if I hit the opportunity, on sources of power available to you and through you, not just to you, but through you, and, and let God work through you. Wouldn't that be a wonderful church? If, if everybody just said, boy, I just want God to work in me and then through me uh, to help other people. Now, the first source is God, okay, and that's all we're going to get to this Sunday, all right, because the whole Bible is about this. But the first source of power that is available to you and then through you is, is God, and this just builds on last week's um, sermon. Turn back to Psalm 62 and verse number 11. I don't know what your preferences and tools, but I hope you don't get offended. Mine is DeWalt, and um, I have a lot of DeWalt tools, and I love them. Maybe you like Porter Cable Milwaukee or whatever, but don't, don't get mad at me for uh, using a DeWalt tool as an illustration here. <laughs> okay, if I can. Now it's dysfunctioning on me here. There we go. All right, that's you and I. That's the power source, okay? And uh, this does nothing. It does not function at all, the way the manufacturer designed it to function. Why? It has no power, okay? You and I cannot function the way our manufacturer designed us to function. Our maker is God. And we are powerless. You know that before you were saved, you remember sinning, and you remember swearing, and you remember maybe doing stuff, and you, 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 you felt guilty about it, ashamed, embarrassed, you couldn't stop yourself. Some of you got into full-blown addictions and um, all kinds of uh, uh, problems. Some of you were saved early and grew up in Christian homes, so you don't really know what I'm talking about. But, but um, we, were, we were powerless. We couldn't function the way the manufacturer functioned. But then when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we have the Holy Spirit who comes inside of us. But it's still not functioning. But it has the potential of functioning now. Because the Holy Spirit has come inside of us. When we are saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are born of the Spirit, you are born again. You receive the gift of salvation or the gift of eternal life. And at that moment, the Spirit of God comes into you. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Okay, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Everyone, every boy, every girl, man, woman, child, doesn't matter. 
At what age? For me, it was 12 years of age. For 12 years of age, when I was 12 years old, I was without God and uh, all alone, all right? When I was about 12, almost 13 years of age, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I asked him to come into my heart and into my life, and I believed the gospel that day, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, that he was buried and he rose again. And the Bible says at that moment, my temple, beca- my body became the temple of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit came into me. But that does not mean I was connected to the Holy Spirit, nor that I was drawing power from him yet. And that was something that unfortunately, and maybe it was my fault, maybe I wasn't listening, but unfortunately I don't remember ever hearing about the power of the Holy Spirit uh, until I was about uh, 22 years of age, 21 years of age, um, around there, and I went to a a conference out in Indiana, and uh, the five-day conference was, the title of it was called Meet the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was taught that I could have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Communion being fellowship. Philippians 2, 1 talks about the fellowship of the Spirit. And, and, and up to that time in my life, even though I'd been saved for 10 years, I had never, ever even spoken one word to the Holy Spirit. Never asked him for his help, never asked him to fill me and control me and give me wisdom and guide me, all that. I just had ignored him for 11 years. But we're told, grieve not the Holy Spirit. We're told, quench not the Spirit. Don't ignore the Holy Ghost. And so I began to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, That would be in 1980. And God began to help me and uh, change my life. And and I'm amazed at the difference since that time of how the power of the Holy Ghost has helped me. Now, that's my own personal experience. I don't know what yours is. But this button right here is like an illustration to us, a visual aid of prayer or communion or fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and you begin to connect with the Holy Spirit, then the power begins to flow from the Holy Spirit through us so that we now begin to function the way he made us to function. And maybe you're here today and you say, boy, I I know God, I'm saved, but I I just can't overcome this, or I can't do this, or I can't, can't, can't. And and you you maybe have to be brutally honest like I was and say, Lord, I I tried the Christian life. It didn't work. I failed. If there's something I'm missing, would you please show me? Now, he'll answer any prayer you ask according to his will. And he showed me that I was missing fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That I was not conversing and talking. I knew God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. I knew God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. But God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, was foreign to me. And I was not connected to the power source. Even though he was in me. Even though he was in me. But when I began, became connected, began to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then he came upon me and changed me. 
and then I began to function. I, in this case, a flashlight, I began to be able to give some light out, and I'll, I'll hit you with all of it, but uh, I'll get those live stream people right there. They, they should have been in church. But, uh, but the, um, you, you can't function. You still, even though you're saved, even though the Holy Ghost is in you, and you know all that doctrine perfectly, you can't function until you start drawing power from him. And that was the last concern of Christ. I don't want a powerless church. I want the Holy Ghost to come upon you and receive power. And the evidence of it is that you'll be witnesses. And I remember from that time on just trying to be witness, and I continue to this day trying to witness to other people, whatever, whatever opportunity is available to me. I've tried to preach Christ, the gospel, whether I was going to the prisons for 12 years, whether I was going to the nursing homes for 12 years, whether I was the pastor at the Hilltop Baptist Church for 12 years, and whether I worked in the youth rallies for 28 years, or funerals, weddings, church services, individual one-on-one visitation, I've, I've just, I just can't get over the fact that people need Christ, and I need to be a witness uh, for Jesus Christ. I can't keep this to myself, and so I've tried to use every avenue God has ever given me uh, to share the gospel uh, with people. And if you say, man, that's not really my interest, then you need the power of God on your life and the person of the Holy Spirit to take over your life. Notice it says here in Psalm 62 now, verse 11, it says, God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. That power belongeth unto God. And then we have a book, and I'm going to show you a bunch of these, and you you probably won't even be able to follow me because I'm going to go through them quickly of examples where God gave people power. God gave people power. I mean, you can go all the way back to uh, Noah. And it says that Noah received grace from the Lord. How else could he have done what he did? in Building an ark, being a preacher of righteousness, saving his family. Uh, on that ark, that was, that was a big... Adventure and, and only somebody enabled by the Holy Spirit of God could have done it. The Bible talks about Bezalel when the pattern for the tabernacle was given in all seven pieces of the furniture. The brazen altar and the laver and the, uh, the candlestick and the table of showbread and the altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And then all the tents and the aprons and all that kind of stuff was... God just gave it to Moses, and then Moses said to Bezalel, here, make this. And the Bible says God filled Bezalel with the spirit of power and wisdom and how to do that. And he got the job done. And he gave him some help from others that were filled with the spirit, wise-hearted men and wise-hearted women, and a whole Iab. And they, they accomplished a task in their life that just, just would, would floor you how much they got done. And as you go through and then you see the Moses and Aaron um, and all the miracles through the power of God, that rod of Aaron later uh, would become a visual aid, a symbol of the resurrection power of Christ. And 
uh, Moses and Aaron during that season of miracles and, and the, the uh, uh, ten judgments on the Egyptians and then out into the wilderness and, and water uh, from the rock and the parting of the Red Sea and uh, shoes on their feet that would not wear out for 40 years for about 3 million people. A pillar of a cloud by uh, day uh, for 40 years. A pillar of fire by night for 40 years. Clothes that did not wear out for 40 years. Manna from heaven every single morning for 40 years. Why? Because the power of God came down on Moses and on Aaron and on Miriam. And God used them by the power of God. And you just go through and you, you, you read stories about Samuel and you read stories about Elijah and Elijah. And Elijah has these eight amazing miracles that have no explanation except that God was with him. And then Elijah would come along and do 16 miracles uh, with no explanation but that God was with him. And as you start going through the scriptures, you, you read about others, uh, uh, maybe less well-known. Micah. Uh, would say this uh, about himself, not boastfully, but just stating a fact, Micah 3.8, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sin. And so here was what we call maybe uh, one of the minor prophets, Micah, he says, but truly I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord. Now to Zerubbabel, who was a governor, he had come back from captivity out of Babylon. Zerubbabel was, uh, you know, the, the first temple was built by Solomon and then it was destroyed and they carried the children of Israel off into Assyria and then eventually into Babylon. Then after being in Babylon for 70 years, some were allowed to come back to Israel including people like Zerubbabel and Nehemiah and Ezra and uh, Joshua the priest, um, to rebuild the temple. And God began to speak to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, and he began to say, now I want you to rebuild this temple. And Zerubbabel began to, to say, this task is too much for me. It is absolutely impossible for me to do this. And so God began to speak to him and give him assurance and he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, that is, not by human might or human power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, you are going to be able to rebuild this temple. And even though it's going to be smaller than the first temple, the glory is going to be greater and someday God, the Messiah himself, would walk into this temple. And he said, Zerubbabel, you're not going to be able to do this humanly, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. By my spirit, saith the Lord. There is the example of the uh, apostles. As uh, they went from being what appeared to be quite a group of losers on Easter morning, but they were winners by Easter night because they had met the resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
the apostles received the instructions that we read earlier when we started the sermon tonight, today, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And uh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and you shall be witnesses. And then just a couple chapters uh, after that, it tells us about the apostles in Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So here were a bunch of young men, probably in their 20s, who were powerless, hopeless, and then shortly thereafter, the Holy Ghost came upon them. It didn't take them years and years and years and years of reformation, but just a moment when the Holy Ghost came upon them, and with great power gave they witness of the resurrection of Christ. And boy, we start reading about thousands of of conversions. And what about our Lord himself? In Acts chapter number 10 and verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, even Jesus needed to be anointed with the Holy Ghost in power. And when the power of God came over Jesus, he went about doing good. He went about doing so much good. The Bible says all the volumes of the books of the world could not contain the things that he did and the things that he said. Because the power of God was present. You know, going back to the apostles, it says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, he gave them power. Mark chapter 6, verse 7, he gave them power. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, he gave them power. See, power belongs to God. We read that. But God wants to give it to people. God wants to give it to power to men, to women. He wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to you so that you can do things you never thought you could do before. So you could overcome things you thought you could never overcome before. By the power of God. He didn't just come in to our lives because he didn't have anywhere else to go. Nothing else to do. I think I'll get attached to this person. No, he came in us so he could come upon us and we could begin to draw power from him and function. And, and, and it would shock you today uh, if, if you could possibly know today what God wants to do in you and through you. It would shock you what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you. But you've got to get connected to the power. And so he gave the power of God to all these apostles. And, and uh, what, about, um, what about Stephen? I'm just giving you a bunch of examples here today. What about Stephen? It says in Acts chapter number 4 and, and um, verse... Uh, No, I'm sure. Acts 6 and verse number 8. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen, with great, full of faith and power. Stephen, full of, what was he, a deacon? I think we could call him a deacon, a servant of the church. All right? Stephen was full of faith and power. He was a member of the church at Jerusalem. You're a member of the church. If not, we'd love to have you in membership here. 
But church members can be full of faith and power and have a testimony of their life did great wonders and miracles among the people. Or we can go through the motions. We can just go through the motions. How about the Apostle Paul? How about the Apostle Paul? Paul said this uh, about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, he said, my speech, whenever I spoke to people, there was a demonstration of the Spirit of God, tremendous influence on those I spoke to. Have you ever met someone like that? I love it. When somebody, man, woman, is so full with the, filled with the Spirit, and, and their testimony backs up their life, and they speak, even if it's simple, and it's, there's, it's power. But then there's others who are not good testimonies, and you wish they'd just be quiet. Uh, what are you wasting your breath on? Uh, maybe they're a hypocrite or something. They got all the answers or all the criticisms or whatever, but they, they have no influence. They have no power on anybody. My speech... He said, when I talked to individuals and my preaching, when I talked to crowds, Paul said, was a demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. And why did God demonstrate that through me? So that you, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The power of God. I know we, I know we like to think, well, education is the answer. Now that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. People like Dallas Billington had an eighth grade education. And he went to work in the rubber factories there down in Akron, Ohio. And he began to lead people to Christ, working there making tires for the auto industry. And people began to be attracted to him. Make a long story short, at one time, the Akron Baptist Temple ran about 10,000 people. At one time, it was the largest church in America. Because a man with an eighth grade education had the power of God in his life. They said, that, they, they said that his sermons were a homiletical nightmare. That's not a compliment. Okay? But it doesn't matter whether his sermons were perfect or not. He had the power of God on his life. And the power of God spoke through that man every time he preached and and, man, I, I've been down there. The church burned down twice, and they just kept building a bigger one with the insurance money. <laughs> so, so I guess that's how God provided or something. I don't know. But, but uh, the Apostle Paul, is your speech, is, is there influence? God wants you to have influence on others. He wants you as a mother to have influence on your children, as a father to have influence on your children. And uh, as a husband, to have influence on your wife, and as a wife, to have influence on your husband. He wants the power of God to be in your home. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Her husband, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Their son, John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit-filled family. And he, he wants us to have influence when we speak at work. Or when we speak at school, 
our, our words should be effectual. Effectual ought to have an effect on people. Uh, there ought to be some Holy Ghost conviction, and uh, we ought to be able to win souls to Christ. Uh, Paul had the power of God. So we're going through all these people here. Timothy. Timothy. In 2 Timothy, uh, Paul told Timothy, uh, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Sound mind. God gives us the spirit of power. Do we have a form of godliness and we're just denying the power thereof? We go through church maybe, uh, rituals, traditions, which sometimes can be good. Um, but this is what Paul said by the Holy Ghost to the church at Ephesus in closing here, Ephesians 3.16. He said, um, that he, God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. See, this course, this starting sermon, is sources of power available to you and through you. See, God didn't want to just save us so we could then just go back to living our normal life, pay our bills, eat food three times a day, sleep at night, uh, mow our lawn, keep our yard looking nice, be good to our kids and grandkids, and then enjoy retirement until we die. No, he's got something greater for us than that. He wants us to be yielded to him, to connected to him, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, draw power so that we can begin to speak and we can uh, have influence on people, affect people. Our prayers can be effectual. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, availeth much. Preaching to myself too. Power comes and goes, man. You can see Saul in the Old Testament, Samson in the Old Testament. Power just, they had the power of God on their lives and they they lost it because they got back into sin. Pride and lust and all the power just went, went away. Went away. Samson got it back at the end though. One more time, oh God. One more time. Maybe that needs to be our prayer today. God, I used to have your power. I used to have your power in my life. I used to witness people would get saved. The gospel still works. I remember, I'll close with this, a guy and a a couple, married couple, came to Cantata up there at Countryside. And uh, before the Cantata started, I met them. I was there early, and they came in early, and they said, we don't go to church. (laughs) I mean, they they just wanted to make that clear from the start. We don't go to church. We're just here for the play. It's all right. That's great. Glad you came. I said, you're always welcome here, and we had the play. We were going back in the fellowship room, and they're sitting there. And uh, he, he's, again, saying, you know, we don't go to church. We're not churchgoers at all. 
I said, well, you know, I said, there's something far more important than church. Far more important than going to church. Are you saved? Do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven or is it something you have some doubts about? And they said, oh, we, we have no clue. And I, I shared the gospel with them in the fellowship hall after the cantata and they both said, yes, we'd like to pray. We'd like to receive Christ as our Savior. Long story short, they haven't missed a church service since. They haven't missed it. Why? That the power of God, the power of the gospel to save people, change people's minds, change people's hearts, change people's behavior, give people victory over besetting sins, habits, addictions, whatever. The power of God is available, but you got to be saved first. You got to be saved. Do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? That gives you the potential. When the Holy Ghost comes inside of you to, to set you free. To set you free. But it also gives you the potential to begin to draw power like you never knew uh, was there. To, to live a fruitful life. To have some fruit that remains to the glory of God the Father. And I want to encourage you. You, you only live twice. But you only live this life once. And if you're going to do something of eternal value, you've got to have the power of God in your life. Got to have it. And many times I've, I've said to the Lord myself, Lord, I don't know exactly what the power of God is, but I need it. Would you please help me? Would you please help me? I don't care what it was. If I'm going to a funeral, if I'm going out to make a visit, if I was going into the prison, the nursing homes, or, or whatever. Uh, I got to have the power of God. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I need it. Would you please, Holy Spirit, would you please? And I'll give you more sources that this connects to starting next week. But for now, let us bow our heads and close our eyes in a word of prayer. And, and, and maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You're not sure that you're saved from your sins. That's what we mean. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm a bad sinner, I think. The Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners. But later on, we see him as a man with the mighty power of God on his life, maybe the best Christian that ever lived. I don't know. Something changed in him. Christ came into his life. And then he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then only God knows the number of people that were saved through his life, his writings. What about you? As the piano plays, maybe you'd want to come again this week and pray for power. Say, God, I want power. Maybe you can be a powerful grandma and grandpa yet who could profoundly affect your grandchildren. Maybe you can be a powerful mom and dad employee at your place of business, student at your place of work, neighbor on your street. Why don't you come and say, God, give me power. All these people we went through today, Micah, Zerubbabel, the apostles, Moses, Elijah, Elijah, Aaron, all of these, Stephen, Timothy, Paul, 
Why does the Bible point out that they all had the power of God on their lives? Why are those stories in the Bible? Paul said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. And we're all for education, amen? But that your faith should stand in the power of God. The power of God. Are you witnessing? That's the, that's the real evidence when you put your life under the microscope. Are you witnessing to others? Are you so burdened for their souls that somehow, some way, maybe one more person can be saved? But if you're not saved, won't you trust in Christ as your Savior? Right now, right where you're sitting, open up your heart and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you'll believe that old, old story, the gospel, that Christ died for you, you personally on the cross, me, for our sins, was buried, and he rose again forevermore. You'll be saved. If you say, Lord Jesus, please save me. Won't you do that? Right where you're sitting, your heads bowed, your eyes are closed. If you'll trust Christ today as your Savior, would you pray to God right where you're sitting and just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask the Lord Jesus Christ to have mercy on my soul and forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner who needs a Savior. Lord Jesus, you died for me on that cross, and I thank you with all my heart. I believe you shed your blood to wash away my sins. And after you died, you rose from the grave. Please give me the gift of eternal life. Save me, Lord Jesus, I pray. If that was your prayer this morning, would you raise your hand and say, God knows my heart. No one else is looking around, but would you raise your hand? Say, God knows my heart. I've asked the Lord Jesus to be my Savior. Raise your hand up. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. You can take your hand down. Is there anyone else? That's wonderful. That's fantastic. Anybody else? God knows my heart. And then just before we sing a verse and go home, again this week, are there believers that would say, I know I'm saved. I know Christ is in my life. But I, I need power. I want to be a witness for the Lord. I, I want his power to be in me, but I want it to be through me. Not stop with me. I want to have some influence with what I have left in my life. I want to be effectual in helping others, especially to come to Christ, to share the gospel. No one's looking, but could you raise your hand? I want to include you in my prayer. Pray for me that God will give me his power. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. A lot of people, balcony too, amen. God bless you, all right. Father, I pray now for these that have raised their hand and myself included. 
We know from the stories of Samson and Saul in the Old Testament that power comes and goes. It's not something somebody has a corner on all their life. Salvation is forever, but power is something we must stay connected to. Oh, God, help us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help everyone here to know what it means to have fellowship with the Holy Ghost. And sanctify us, as we'll see other sources of power in the next few weeks. The Lord willing, Lord, we just pray that it would help us to have a powerful life, a powerful church. Thank you for those in our church who exhibit the power of God, who are influential, who are effectual, and have had fruitful lives and ministries. But Lord, we need so many more. And for this we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.